Good to see all of you guys. My name is Corey, just in case you don't know me. Last name's Wilkinson. Nice to meet you guys. Um, you know, I was thinking this morning, I was kind of wondering, I had a question that I didn't know the answer to in 2020, and I was like, I guess I don't know the answer to it in 2021 either. I don't know if I should be asking it to you guys, but when you're in the bathroom and someone knocks, what is the appropriate response, you know? Because every time I hear someone knock and I'm in the bathroom, I'm like, yes, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Corey's here, or like just a moment. Like I never really know the appropriate response. I think it's really awkward. I, I Googled it earlier because I was like, there's probably a right way to do this. And um, one person said to just yell out that it's occupied. I was like, that's awkward too. I mean, it's, it's just, it's awkward either way. So now whenever I go up to bathrooms, I'm like, I slowly touch the handle. I'm like, yep, it's locked. Not going to say anything. I'm like, don't knock. It makes it weird. So make sure you lock the door because I will probably just touch the handle. So, um, you know, I don't just rip it open just in case, but I feel like if someone sees the handle slowly moving, they might say something. I don't know if that's how I should have started off today, but that's just, that's what was on my mind, so I figured I'd bring it up. So great to have all of you guys here. Thank you um, to the worship team. I appreciate you guys so much coming, um, taking time out of your week and practicing and coming out here. Um, without further ado, we're going to jump into the Bible, and um, we're going to read a verse, and then I will give you my title, and then we'll go from there. Sound good? We're going to be reading out of Matthew 7, 7, Matthew 77, 7, 7. I thought it, Matthew might have been the seventh book written in the New Testament because I thought that would be cool if it was 7, 7, 7, but it wasn't. So just to let you guys know, it was, it was like the 13th or something, and I was like, is there any way to like get that to 7? I was like, no. <laughs> so it's, it's the 13th book that was written, if you guys are interested all right, so it starts off by saying, this is the Sermon on the Mount, so this is Jesus speaking, and he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. James 4, 8, it's a similar verse. It says, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. The title of my message this week is, What's Your Yes? What's Your Yes? Because I've come to realize that we really like to say yes to certain things, but not to everything, obviously. And when I look at this passage, obviously it's kind of like a promise. Knock and the door will be open. We love the idea of the door being opened, of God drawing close to us and receiving. Like, it's really easy to say yes, yes to God's promises, but it's a lot harder to say yes to the process. We're all about saying yes to the promises, but we're not all about saying yes to the process. Because sometimes you'll be knocking and the door doesn't open right away. Sometimes you'll be drawing close to God and you don't feel like He's listening. You don't feel like He's around you, don't feel like you're receiving because more often than not, 
there's a process before you get to the promise. If you choose to buy a little puppy, and I would say you should do that, that is a good idea. I love puppies. But when you choose to buy a little puppy, you're not only saying yes to the dog, you're also, whether you are aware of it or not, you're saying yes to potty training. God, I hope so. I mean, I don't know what else you're going to do if you're just going to let it go in your house all the time. You're saying yes to potty training. You're saying yes to dog food. You're saying yes to all the things that come with it. And you're also saying no to some stuff. If you have kids, I imagine you can relate to this. Me looking from the outside in with Lindsay and Gary and stuff, I realized when they said yes to kids, they also said no to always having a full night's rest. Like, you are also saying no to sleeping all the time when you say yes to kids, apparently. I haven't said yes to that yet, but one day I still really like my sleep. (laughs) But um, a lot of times we say yes or no to things. I realized in life we're actually constantly saying yes or no, whether we're aware of it or not. The job that you choose, when you say yes to the job, you're also saying yes to the schedule. You're saying yes to the pay. You're saying yes to this is how I'm going to budget. It's just like a constant cycle of us saying yes or no, whether we're aware of it or not. I remember um, I used to work with my uncle over the summers. I still love to do that whenever I get the opportunity. But if you can't tell by my um, country attire, I'm a cowboy, all right? (laughs) If you can't tell by my ripped jeans, we are ranchers, all right? So um, my uncle, he has cows, and he bales hay, and um, I get to go and work with him with the tractors and stuff, and I love to do it. And I remember the first day I went to work with him, and I pulled up, and he's on his phone like he always is, and he's in the workshop, and I went over, and I was ready. I had my cowboy boots on, I had my Wrangler pants, and I walked up. And um, he was on the phone, but I was like, I got to show him I'm right on time, ready to work, because he's a hard worker. So I was just standing there, and he leans over the phone, and he goes, hey, boy, why don't you go go over there and get that little dually old truck and pull it on over, and we'll pull this baler on out. I said, yes, sir. And I ran over there, and I got this old Ford dually, and I opened the door, and we're in the country, so I know exactly where the keys are. They're in the ignition. So I just, I started that thing right up, and... Um, I sat there for a second, and I was pretty disappointed, and I turned the keys right back off. I walked back over to him, and I said, I can't move that truck. <laughs> like, it was, pretty, it was pretty embarrassing because I had been working now. Um, I got there at 8 o'clock. It is now 8.02. So the first thing he told me to do, I now can't do, and I said, I can't move that truck. And he said, why can't you move that truck, boy? And... Um, I said, well, it's a stick shift, (laughs) and I've never driven stick before. He goes, you ain't never driven a standard truck in your life, boy. (laughs) I said, no, I haven't. And he goes, well, that ain't no problem. He goes, Dane, Dane, come teach this boy how to drive that standard dually over there. And I was like, okay, I'd love to learn. And, you know, he's on the phone and walks away. And I'm like, all right, (laughs) like, I'll go learn now. Like, I had never done it before. And we get in the truck, and... um, Dean goes, so you've never driven standard? And I said, no. And he's like, well, this is a great truck to learn on. He said, the clutch is grinded down so far. He said, those gears, you can barely find them. And I was like, 
that's a good thing? He's like, yeah, because if you learn on this one, he's like, all the other standards will be a piece of cake. And I'm like, so you're telling me this is an awful truck to learn on is what you're saying. And we, we get in the truck and he puts his feet up on the dash and pretty much pays no attention to what I'm doing. And he's like, all right, let's go drive around the pasture and feed the cows. And I think I stalled maybe nine times in a wide open pasture. A couple times I went to stick it in low and I accidentally stuck it in reverse. That's not good. So um, it was an interesting experience. We were out there for maybe 10 minutes and we came back and my uncle and his crew, they're all loading all the tractors onto the trailers and they're big, you know, like 60 foot trailers. So they're loading the tractor, the baler, everything on them. And like everyone just starts leaving. Like they're getting in their trucks and leaving and I'm standing there and my uncle walks by and he goes, he goes, hey, boy, watch that baler. It sticks out way past that trailer. And he jumps in his truck and drives off. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting good instructions here. <laughs> like, I feel like I should get a, a job description or something to where I know what I'm doing, you know? And he gets in the truck and drives off, and then it's just me and Dean. And I was like, all right, the baler does stick out pretty far. I'm like, I won't hit my head on that. I'll be careful. And I walked over, and Dean goes to get in the passenger seat, and I was like, there's no one left but me and you, bud. You're driving. He goes, not me, boy. I ain't got no license. <laughs> I was like, you don't have a license? He said, nope, not for two years now. <laughs> I was like, well, who's driving? He's like, He's like, you are. I was like, I thought you said it was over an hour away. He said, yeah, maybe an hour, 20 minutes or so. I was like, so I have to... Now drive this standard truck. I stalled nine times on a wide open pasture. I have to now drive this with a 60-foot goose stick trailer with a tractor and baler on the back. He said, yeah, it won't be no problem, son. <laughs> so he gets in the truck and again puts his feet up on the dash and pays absolutely no attention to me. I think we sat right there on the pavement for maybe five minutes just me trying to get going. Because with a load that big, you have to start with low and really rev it up. And I stalled maybe nine times. And we finally get going. And it was not, it's not like we took 75. Like we were going through downtown city area, stoplights, constantly hills. And something I learned when driving standard on a hill, if you stall, you're going to roll backwards. <laughs> And if there's traffic behind you, it's not the best idea to roll backwards. It was a horrible experience, I believe, to learn, and not, I would not recommend it. And um, I also realized that whenever you miss low and you put it in reverse in the middle of traffic and you're on a hill, you will roll back very quickly. It is very terrifying. There were a couple times that Dean's leg was over, <laughs> over the center console, and he's like, why can't you find that boy? <laughs> and he's like sticking the clutch in there, and I'm like, I'm trying. Like, I'm trying to do a good job, you know? And, and we get there, and and my uncle's like, so how'd you do? And Dean's like, oh, he did great. He only stalled a couple times. I was like, 19. <laughs> I was like an hour and 20-minute drive. I think I stalled 19 times. So I learned quick, and he's right. Other trucks are a lot easier after that truck. I learned quick, but I didn't realize when I said yes to working for him, I also said yes to getting no instructions whatsoever. I said yes to getting no training. He was under the assumption that if you throw them out in the water, they'll swim. I, I kind of agree now, but it's very terrifying being thrown out 
into the water. I was just like praying the whole time. I was like, God, please don't let me hit someone. I was like, I don't think the officer will believe me if I just say, it's not my fault. Like, I wasn't ready to drive this. He made me, you know, it's his fault. That's all I was worried about the whole time. I was like, please don't let me hit somebody. And I had to drive on the way back, too. I did a little bit better. But it was a terrifying experience because I had no idea what I was saying yes to. And I realized that we do that same thing in life. We're constantly saying yes to things, and we're not realizing where it's taking us. We're saying yes to what we want, and a lot of times we're saying no to what God wants, whether we're aware of it or not. I came to this realization that when you say yes to what God is saying, you then align yourself into what God is doing because there's this simple truth that alignment will determine assignment. Your alignment determines your assignment. It determines the direction you're going because, yes, God has plans to prosper. He has plans to not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But just because he has plans for your destiny, he put you in charge of your decisions. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how far our yes takes us. We don't realize how far it takes us when we say yes to God, and we also don't realize how far it takes us when we say no to God. Because I don't know about you guys, maybe you guys are really holy and everything, but I've noticed when I say yes to my attitude, it's really easy for me to justify why I want to feel like that. It's really easy for me to justify why I'm saying yes to being upset because I deserve to feel like this. It's really easy to say yes when you can justify it. And I think a lot of us have gotten good to justifying our decisions, to justifying our emotions. We say yes really easily to a lot of things, whether we're aware of it or not. Sometimes God will ask you to do things that we don't understand, and the only way to understand is to start to obey, because God seems to be this God. He's like this horrible GPS. I don't know if that's wrong to talk about God like that. He's like this messed up GPS that refuses to tell you but one turn at a time, and it seems like once you say yes, once you get into that alignment, then the next turn opens up, because once you say yes and you get an alignment, then your assignment starts to become apparent. And I always hear people saying, which I don't think this is necessarily bad, but I just want God to bless what I'm doing. I just want God to bless my business. I want God to bless what's going on. And I think a lot of times it's a better way to take it instead of always asking God to bless what you're doing, to start doing what God's already blessing. And maybe your yes is something different than the person next to you, but I believe God's going to speak something new in all of us this year, not just a churchy thing on Sunday, but a church mindset Monday through Saturday. A mindset that says yes, whether you're in church or you're not in church, whether that's an attitude, whether that's how you treat people, whether it's your 
anger, whatever that might look like in your life, I believe God's going to put something on your heart that you're meant to say yes to. And a lot of times we don't see where it's going to take us. We don't see the direction that it's going to move us in. But when you start to say yes to what God is saying, you'll start to align with what he's doing. And I just think that there's something new that God's trying to do. There's something new that God's trying to do in you and in the church world because I get so tired of like the Sunday morning thing and like that's all it is. I think church is supposed to be something much more than that and that's why we're opening small groups just to kind of get used to being around people and talking more and maybe that's what your yes is. Maybe you need to make a decision to to say yes to getting involved in church, whether it's this one or a different one. Maybe your yes is completely different than your wife or your husband. Maybe you need to say yes to seeking after God for the first time, to reading for the first time, because it's really easy to say yes to the promise, but it's a lot harder to say yes to the process. It's hard when you pray and you don't feel like anything's happening. It's hard when you feel like you're seeking, but nothing's changing. You feel like you're knocking, but no doors are opening. That can be really difficult. But we also have to realize that when we say yes, we're not just saying yes to the promise, but we're also saying yes to the process. And we say yes and no to processes all the time. That is the reason why I am wearing a jean jacket right now, because I said no to the process of biceps. All right? I said no. <laughs> yes, I would love them. They're great. You know, they look good in tank tops, but I said no to the process. And yeah, I think Allie might be like, hmm, you know, like, I'm his queen, he's my king, but I say yes to Burger King. So I don't know what you say yes to and what you say no to, but it happens constantly. The way we spend our time, what we look at, what we listen to, whether you're aware of it or not, you're constantly saying yes and you're constantly saying no. And I was thinking about this topic and I was praying about it and I was telling Caleb, it's, it's a weird thing to talk about because it's so different in every person's life. I have no idea what God's trying to lead you into in 2021, but I do believe he's wanting you to say yes to some new things. And I was thinking about this topic, and my mind just automatically went to Jonah. If you're not super familiar with Jonah, he was actually a prophet. And his book in the Bible, he's a prophet, and it holds one prophecy that's about one sentence long. <laughs> And um, it starts off, I like how Jonah starts off because there's, it just gets going. Like, those are my type of movies when something just explodes in the first 10 seconds. Like, that's how I like it. And that's kind of how Jonah starts off. And God immediately speaks to Jonah. He speaks to him in the form of a dream. That's what it sounds like. It says that he wakes up. He arises, and you expect this amazing prophet guy is going to go running after what God does. And he gets up, and he runs the opposite direction. Because God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he wakes up, and he goes, I'm going to go to Tarshish. And I'm like, that's interesting. 
And it's really easy when you read it, it's really easy to think, well, he said no to God and he said yes to Tarshish. Like it's really obvious to read it like that. But I imagine if I was put in Jonah's shoes, was it that black and white in the moment? Because I felt like I might have said no to God a couple times in my life. I might have said no to my assignment and said no to getting in alignment more than once, if we're being honest. And I wonder, was it that black and white for Jonah? Did he wake up from that dream and say, no, 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 I'm not going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to do something opposite. Because I imagine it looked something like Jonah going, this is the practical way of thinking. Because Tarshish was like the richest land possible at that time. That's where everyone was getting their wealth from. They would go there and they would mine and they would make a good life for themselves. And I imagine Jonah would have woken up from that dream and said, I think I heard wrong. That's not God. God God wants to bless me. God wants to give me a good life. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I don't think it was as black as black and white as we make it. So he goes down to the seaport and he's looking at the boats and he finds one that's journeying, journeying, that's a good word, <laughs> that's on their way to Tarshish. And he pays the fare. He pays the price to get on this boat because the truth of the matter, whether we like it or not, you pay a price when you run the other way from God. You pay a price, whether that's, I'm not saying that God's disciplining you or being rude to you, but you're always going to pay a price when you run out of his blessing, when you run away from him, when you run the opposite direction. And he gets in this boat and they set sail. And it really surprises me because when you look on a map, Nineveh was only 500 miles from Jonah. Tarshish is like almost 3,000 miles away. And I thought, man, what seemed easier was actually harder. I wonder how many times I chose the easy way when actually it was the hard way. I wonder how many times I chose to hold on to an offense, to hold on to bitterness because that seemed easy. It seemed too hard to forgive, but really the easy way was saying yes to God. Really the easy way was saying, you forgave me, so I'll forgive them, and I walked into freedom. But I think a lot of times we choose the easy way when really it's the hard way. So he gets in this boat, and he starts heading towards Tarshish, 3, 000, almost 3,000 miles away, and all of a sudden, this crazy storm hits, and it's raging all around him, and all the people on the boat, they start flipping. They're freaking out, and Jonah, again, is asleep. I have this theory that um, he has a sleeping problem, whatever that syndrome is called. I think he had it. Insomnia. I think he had it. Um, anyway, <laughs> he's down. He's asleep, and the captain goes down, the crewmates, and they pull him up, and they say, pray to your God because we are going to die in this storm if we don't get out of it. And crazy, they start casting lots because I've found that God will use pretty much anything to get his will done. He uses the most interesting situations to bring what he wants to pass. And it shows that Jonah was the reason to why they are in this storm. 
And he goes, if you want to get out of the storm, you have to throw me off your boat. You have to throw me overboard. I believe the storms of life are going to rage sometimes, but I also believe that we walk into storms because of the decisions that we make. I believe some of the storms that we've walked through in our life are not because of God's destiny, but because of your decisions. And there's this simple truth that all the sailors that went through the storm, they went through it not because of what they've done, but because of what Jonah has done. I wonder if, have you walked through any storms in your life because of who was on your boat? Have you walked through storms in your life because of who you allowed into your circle? Because it wasn't them that created the storm, it was Jonah. I wonder, have you ever allowed Jonah too much room on your boat? Have you ever allowed someone into your friend's circle, into your social media, into your phone that's making you walk through some storms? The problem wasn't with them. The problem was who was on your boat. So they decide they finally throw Jonah off the boat. I can't imagine what this was like, what Jonah felt, what he thought of God, and he starts to sink. I mean, can you imagine being thrown out into open water in the midst of a storm, in the midst of lightning, bad enough that they thought they were all going to die, and he starts to sink. And then just when he thought it was bad enough, then a huge fish comes and swallows him. I was like, bad to worse, Jonah. That sounds horrible. And he's, he's in this fish. And it's interesting, this prophet, this man of God, he goes on for almost a chapter, and it sounds like he's complaining. It sounds like he's really annoyed with God, that he's frustrated, that he's tired with what's going on, but then all of a sudden, it seems like Jonah takes this drastic shift. He takes this drastic shift, and this is verse 9. He says, but I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. It's so interesting to me because he seems so upset. He seems so annoyed with God, like his life was going in the wrong direction. And all of a sudden, he takes this shift and says, I will give shouts of praise. I will be grateful. And then right after he was grateful, he got out. The next verse says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it, this is nasty, vomited Jonah onto the dry land. I wonder how many times we would get out of storms if we would actually be grateful through them. Because it's really easy to feel like everything's going wrong, like you're in the belly of a fish and your life is over. But there's this common theme throughout the Bible that when you start to count your blessings, when you start to realize how blessed you are, it actually leads you out of the storm that you're in. And maybe you're meant to say yes to being grateful for the first time in a long time. Maybe you're meant to say no to negativity. I don't know what it looks like for you. But I found it so interesting that in verse 17, when Jonah was about to be swallowed, it says that the Lord provided 
a fish. The Lord provided a fish. That doesn't look like your provision, God. You couldn't have sent a boat. <laughs> you couldn't have sent something other than a fish to swallow me whole. I wonder how many times I've turned away from God's provision because it wasn't what, I, what it looked like. It wasn't what I thought it would be or what I wanted it to be. Maybe some of us need to say yes to the way God provides and not the way that we want him to provide. I believe there's something that we're meant to say yes to. Why don't you guys stand for a minute? I'll pray for you. God, as we walk into this new year, Jesus, we don't want to be different people on Sunday than we are on Monday. God, we want to honor you and we want to live lives that honor you. We know that, we have, that you have plans for our destiny, that you have plans to prosper and not to harm us. But Father, can you help us make some good decisions this year? Can you give us the strength and the courage to say yes to your voice, to say yes to your leading, and to trust that once we get in alignment, you will start to determine our assignment?